This week's episode is brought to you by Fairy Godmother Travel, the official travel agency of Communicore Weekly. If you want to book a trip with them, email them today at communicoreweekly at fairygodmothertravel.com today. Hello and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And it's the most wonderful <laughs> time of the year again. Oh, good. I'm glad you changed it. We can't afford the royalties. That's right. I have to switch up the lyrics just Swinging slightly. That. Yes, yes. But it's my favorite bit. time of the year and your least favorite time of the year. Well. I don't know. You know, I did go to Scarewinds last year. You did go to Scarewinds, but you still get to get up on the other stuff. That's true. That's true. I mean, I was thinking about maybe hitting the King's Dominion off this year. Whoa, hey. really? I mean, I've got that Cedar Pass annual pass thing. Hey, you might as well make use of it, dude, because it's there. Yeah, might as I well. I mean, might wh- as well. why not? But, but uh, be kind of scary. Small. Yeah, I know. Speaking of scary, <laughs> let's uh, let's go into the trip report, huh? I'm So I was singing that it's the most wonderful time of the year again because uh, it was just Midsummer Scream which kicked off the Halloween haunt season for me at least here in Southern California. Um, so the last couple of years, George has had to listen to me talk about um, Scarlet. Uh, whenever I would go to that, but Midsummer Scream mm-hmm. is is the new thing. Uh, it's a bigger. It's like Scarlet, but bigger and better. And it was uh, the first year they had it. Um, but it's the same type of thing. It's a haunt and Halloween convention with tons of things to do and see. And George, you probably would have hated every moment of it because you know people running around scaring each other. That's and... what I was gonna say. I mean, when you walk up to like a booth in the big hall where people just like jumping out at you. I think there was way more, like, random monsters roaming the f- show floor this year oh. than there were at other conventions, just popping out and scaring people. Yeah. But there was a dedicated, like, the show floor was huge, and then there was a curtain off to the one-hand side to block off part of it, and that became the Hall of Shadows, where all, like, the walkthrough attractions were. Jeez, okay, so the name already scared me. Correct? Yeah, you would have been you'd have been done right off yeah. the bat. So when you said there were like monsters walking around, like instead of like cosplayers that were used to a convention, these are people hired by the booths or are, are part of what the um, booths or the different companies offer. It, it was a little of both actually. There was people oh. that were just cosplaying as, you know, monsters from Halloween and scaring people and wow. a lot of booths did have hired things. Like for example, for our, for the Horror Buzz booth that we had, we actually had three monsters. We had like a scary clown, we had uh, cool. Slender Man who was actually on stilts, so he was huge. Um so yeah, it uh, was How did you handle the scary clown? Uh not well, uh, mostly cuz I knew him, but so it was oh, okay, oh. but okay, no, it's fine. But of interest to, you know, theme park fans, one of the big the big panel I guess for the weekend was called um 
frightful theme park attractions and it had mm. tony baxter uh gary goddard and more and they were just they were talking about all the their their scary attractions that they worked on um like alien encounter that was at walt disney world for a hot second um <laughs> the ghostbusters stage show and it was just cool to hear them like explain the development process for each one like uh like goddard was very candid about his work on the ghostbusters show at universal florida Anyway, he was explaining, like, how he came up with it within 48 hours before he had to present it, and they wound up loving it, and then he had to figure out how to do it. Um, <laughs> Sounds like somebody else we've talked to, like, uh, named Bob Gurr. Yeah, yeah, pretty Basically. much. That's exactly okay. what it was. Okay. But I, did you ever see that show before they had? No, no, never saw it, never saw it. S- so, like, there was there was a pre-show section, and then the main show you sat in the theater, and in, in front of the audience was a piece of glass, and then was the stage behind it. So they can u- make use of, like, Pepper's ghost effects oh, and lasers yeah. at the same time yeah. as the live actors. Um, so it was cool to hear him talk about how they brought it to life with all the animatronics, and, you know, they had to get special permission to use these UV lasers, which at the time were only used in the medical field. Hmm. Um, so it was really, really bizarre. And then he talked about Monster Plantation uh, at Six Flags, which was their attempt at making a Disney-like dark ride that had 127 animatronics <laughs> in it. And well, Which Six Flags was this? Do you remember? Because uh, I uh, rode one at Six Flags over Georgia that was a monster... Was it Monster Mansion? I don't. I don't know. I don't remember which one it was. Honestly, okay, I, okay, I'm completely okay. blanking. Way to call me out and put me on the spot there. Uh, did me to you can you can pull that out in <sighs> post production, right? Yeah, yeah, but I won't. That's oh, okay, fine. okay, okay, it's fine. Okay. Um, so also, uh, Susan Bonds was there, and she was talking about Alien Encounter, and she said uh, she was the only person to create an attraction that kids screamed and cried so much that they actually closed it, which I thought was great. And then, you know, she was talking about the development process, how it's a a big departure from Disney's usual attractions because they had this humorous pre-show with Tim Curry as the uh, the robot and uh, Skippy as the alien they were transporting. And he was adorable. And he how Skippy was only made so Disney could have a character to make a plush character out of, she said, Hmm. which I found fascinating. Um, But you went from the humorous pre-show into this straight up hardcore horror film. And kids just hated it. And, and um, some adults did, too. Yeah, that's true, but I loved it. You know, yeah, I enjoyed <laughs> it. I thought it was great to understand what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. You I know. mean, she was talking about how it was a binaural experience, and, you know, they used the people's imagination to fill in the gaps rather than actually showing them the alien, like, full on mm-hmm. to make it scarier. Um, but it was too much for kids, obviously, and they closed it, and then they revamped it as Stitch's Great Chili Dog Ride. So, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um... <laughs> Way back in episode, uh, it was a point five. It was two thirteen point five. I talked to Madison Rhodes from Crossroad mm-hmm. Escape Games here in Anaheim, um, talking about their rooms. So at, at the convention, they had a mini escape game called the Asylum, where you were put into a straitjacket with somebody else, Whoa. and like you only had use of one hand, and the other person only had use <gasps> of one hand. Oh, that's and brilliant! You're, you're put inside, and you had ten minutes to get out. Wow. Um. So. Alex, my son, and I um, got out in four minutes, so we had six minutes left over because we were really good at that stuff. Is that because you guys are both so skinny? Um, no. I mean, they were on pretty tight. Oh, Trust okay, me. For, okay, like, skinny okay. dudes, I was like, oh, boy, I don't know if I can handle <laughs> this thing anymore. Jeez. Um, also, to other Disney fans, uh, Keith, Keith Lapning and Tyler Sanchez, uh, the two of us and Alex also did another escape room called Quest in a Box, and we get out in ten minutes of their 15 minutes, which was cool. Hmm. Um... A lot of really cool haunt experiences, which you would never do, George. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, there was yes. one based on the Tibetan Book of the Dead where you basically went through 
the first stage of dying. So like, you know, you're laying on the hospital bed and you're, 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 you're flatlining and your loved one is over you crying and, you know, they take you into the dark and you bring, bring yourself to the light and they put you, you, you would have definitely hated this. They put you on the ground and they simulate you getting buried by putting a tarp over you and then putting dirt on top of you. Wow. It was, to me, it was amazing. Uh, to other people, mm-hmm. they would probably hate it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, sure, I, I can see that. I, I understand that completely. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, also, Alone, which I've talked about many times before. They had mm-hmm. a show called Drinks from Your Face, which, <laughs> uh, oh, first of all, awesome title. I mean, come on. <laughs> but it didn't really take place in the convention center. It took place like in all of that area outside, like by the marina, and it was a lot of walking, and it was a, a cool journey to explore different parts of long beach especially the uh the parking garage of the long beach convention center wow (laughs) um we did uh, an interactive performance of return home the audio Mm -hmm. drama which was cool but it it, it was a nice way to kick off the the halloween season um there was a lot of cool things it was a presentation by jim henson workshop too like showcasing animatronics and puppets from labyrinth it was it was pretty theme park heavy for a non theme park heavy thing, you know. Aside from all the theme parks announcing their Halloween mazes. Well, and sure. I mean that, blah, that's blah, blah. that's a huge part of it now. I mean, theme parks have gotten into the Halloween because it extends their season for another month and a half in most cases. Oh yeah, you yeah, know, and they make big people, big oh, money yeah. off of it. Yeah, so I mean, it's a great way to, uh, like like we said, extend the season, bring more people in. Uh, buy more food, buy more beer. Yeah, buy stuff, buy tons of food. Enjoy yourself walking around with your family and friends. It's it's a great idea. I mean, you know, and get get everything scared out of you. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, um, but it was great. I had a good time, and uh, you know, I think you should go to one in North Carolina if they have something similar. Honestly, I think the best we get is like when they open up the the uh, costume shops. Oh, like Halloween Town or Halloween Club? Yeah, those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you even walk through those? Get. Do what? Do you even walk through those? Nah. I didn't think so. No, no. Why am I not surprised? No, I stay away from the scary section of Target, too. Fair. So, Understandable. Yeah, Understandable. It's a little bit too much. So, wow, but, that uh, sounds yeah. pretty cool. Just just to close it out, a big congratulations to the Midsummer Scream team as uh, for a wonderful first year. And, uh, you know, just congrats. They they did an amazing job. And I can't wait for, uh, for next year. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. He's a nerd, he's a geek, geek. cause we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his beat. It's George's Book of the Week. So we both read the first part of Chuck Wendig's trilogy back in October 2015 before the release of The Force Awakens. And you know, Jeff really loved it. Well, I was a little uh, more lukewarm to the title. I do remember really enjoying the last 100 pages or so. Um, but also finding it hard to place the characters throughout the story. So when Life Debt arrived, the second book, we were both pretty excited. And I have to do it myself. I was really excited about this book um, just to see where they were going to go on our, our journey to The Force Awakens. Yeah. So Life Debt uh, continues the story of the characters from the first book, obviously, um, but also adding a few more of the main Star Wars characters into the mix. So uh, Princess Leia actually hires Nora Wex- uh, Wexley and her band of Imperial hunters to find her husband Han Solo, who was last trying, who was last seen trying to liberate uh, Chewbacca's home planet from the Imperial overlords, if you will. <laughs> um, so Leia actually Leia he- fears the worst, and since Wexley's team is really good at finding the Imperials that don't want to be found, she figures, hey, I'm going to hire them to do this. So she wants to use them for their uh, special <laughs> skill set. 
Exactly. So it's sort of to me, it was like we got a, a Who Framed Roger Rabbit in space. And I really I'll want it to it. be like that uh, Pigs in Space from the Muppets, but, uh, you know, it's close enough anyway. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, but after seeing The Force Awakens, a lot of the people and the players in the book, the both books, have made a lot more sense to me. And I think that was part of the reason that I liked Life Debt right from the start. I knew these characters. I was invested in them. Um, and, you know, even though there were a lot of political machinations, there was a tremendous amount of action, and the characters felt real to me. Uh, Wendig, I think he nailed Han Solo, and I really believe that this was the character, Han Solo, that lived between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Plus, I loved how Wendig, he made the Empire flounder as much as the New Republic. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was interesting to see even more of the power shift between the once almighty Empire and, you know, to the folks trying to make the Empire still a thing, which... It's not going to be a thing anymore, guys. It's never going to be a thing. Just stop. <laughs> but, you know, the interplay between both sides, you know, uh, the Empire and the New Republic was interesting. It was just a fantastic part of the plot and showed much more of the underworkings of how things were run for both the good guys and the bad guys. Yeah, you know, we've noticed that a lot of the more recent Star Wars books that were, you know, leading to The Force Awakens have had more political intrigue. And for the most part, they really felt a lot like Captain America Winter Soldier. Uh, there's plenty of action, and the action made sense in the story. But you could also see how the political intrigue is sort of leading to the First Order and some of the events that we see in The Force Awakens. Yeah, so the pieces just all begin to fall more into place with every release of these new Star Wars books, and life debt is no different. It just keeps getting better and better, and I just love seeing how Nora and her son's relationship develops You know, before we see him in The Force Awakens. And just how everyone else on the team has grown uh, together or apart a little bit. Um, but making a return from the, the first Aftermath book, um, the interlude chapters that Windig includes are fantastic. And just give us a little more insight into the galaxy at large now that the Empire is broken. Exactly. So Wendig's books, along with most of the Journey to the Force Awakens books, they shine a much needed light onto the galaxy and what happened during the 20 or so years after Return of the Jedi. You know, a lot of the pre-Disney books, you know, the stuff written before Disney bought Star Wars and uncanonized it, decanonized it. What is it called now? Legends? Yeah, the Legends series that they yeah. called it. Yeah. Um, it showed a new republic that came out as the clear winner. And these books feel so much more real to me, and that makes them that much more enjoyable. You know, Star Wars fans should definitely be reading these books. Yeah, absolutely. Because just because the Emperor is dead and the Rebels won the Battle of Endor doesn't mean the Empire just up and disappears. You know, they are still fighting to survive still, and these stories show their fight. Uh, this one especially shows more about the For First Order's formation, and even some clues perhaps about the Knights of Ren in one of the interludes and their connection to a certain lord. But really, uh, Star Wars fans will dig this book, and it will just keep them guessing as to what's going to come next. Yeah, I was hoping to hear more about the Knights of Ren um, hairstyling techniques. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Definitely, yeah. definitely. So, okay, well, this, this week's book was Life Debt by Chuck Wendig. You don't know what you know till we know you. Don't you. Know, you just don't know. Here's one little fact we bet you didn't. One little fact we bet you didn't know. So, what's 41 feet high, goes 10 miles an hour, and is a historical landmark? 
why the world's oldest roller coaster that's still in operation. It's at Lake Mont Park in Altoona, Pennsylvania. The Leap the Dips roller coaster was built by E. Joy Morris Company in 1902. It was closed in 1985 because of the poor condition, uh, being over 100 years old. It was repaired in 1997 and finally reopened in 1999. Now we know, Jew! <laughs> did it sound like I was going down the hill? It did. Okay, you pulled good. it off. Good. It's, my, it's acting. My acting lessons are finally paying off. Acting! Acting! Okay. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. So we've explored Disney's Hollywood Studios before to check out some of the awesome Rocketeer references in the park, and we've even found uh, the jetpack at PV's Polar Pipeline. However, there is also a second jetpack, a backup, if you will, located in the Sci-Fi Dine-In. So after you check in, uh, if you walk down the hallway to the left, you'll see a fence on the left-hand side just before you get to the main dining area. And hanging on the top of the fence is none other than a second jetpack from the Rocketeer. It's probably stashed there in case the Nazis try to get a hold of it and they need to get a quick getaway, but who knows? I mean, it's there. You can see it. Just don't touch because it's probably uh, not working correctly. Yeah, and you know that the Nazis are close by. They, they're they always close by. at the Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular. Oh, so they can get over there very quickly, guys. They can get over there very quickly. Be and careful. Chances are something will explode on the way, but that just happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's okay. It's yeah, okay. and speaking of something explosive, it's time for our Year of a Million or So Limited Time Cadets prize winner. Not sure how I like that one. I'm going to let it slide. Yeah, I was thinking with the jetpack exploding. And uh, Anyway, so for those of you who might not be aware, we are giving a prize away every single week here on Communicore Weekly. And all you have to do to enter is email us at communicoreweekly at gmail.com with your name, address, and birthday. So we can send you out that prize. And... And there is 21 weeks left to enter. So you <laughs> there still you have go. time. I was doing the math really quickly it's, in my it's head. the math. You had to. You almost ran out of fingers and toes. Well, you I did. did. I did, did almost. Just had to, I had to go for a little bit. Um, anyway, so Jeff, take it away for this week's prize winner. This week's prize winner gets a fabulous prize pack from Fairy Godmother Travel. And the winner is Jack G from Eugene, Oregon. Congratulations, Jack. I hope you enjoy it. And maybe you can come on down to Disneyland sometime since you're so close. Ooh, and maybe show off the prize pack in Disneyland? In front of the castle. Ooh, but what if it's a special fairy godmother travel like rocket launcher? Then you can use it on the moon. Okay, that Walt Disney work. Moon Base. The Disney Moon Base. <laughs> okay, guys, well, thank you so much for watching and listening to another episode of Communicore Weekly. However you get the show, iTunes, YouTube, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Yep, and as I mentioned earlier, you can always email us at communicoreweekly at gmail.com with any... Anything interesting at all you want to say? Yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Weekly. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm at Imaginerding. He's at Jeff Heimbuck. And of course, give us a call on the Communicore Weekly goat line at 424-785-4628. And make sure to visit the Communa store at communicoreweekly.com where you can pick up some incredible t-shirts and other gifts that are suitable for gift giving this Halloween season? I'll take it. Okay, I'll good. Uh, All right, that'll work. Uh, like I said, you have 21 weeks left to get your official cadet membership card or Communicore Weekly sticker. Just send a self-addressed stamped envelope to Communicore Weekly, P.O. Box 432, Orange, California, 92856. 
And you can always visit patreon.com slash weekly to find out how you two can support the greatest online show. For Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening, guys and gals. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. Staple.